change starts today and it comes when we seek first the kingdom of God. He's the one that's changing us. We can't do it, but um, he will do it. And it's coming to a deep, deep part of your life today. This is the character strength. It's not actually listed in that values in action survey of 24 characters. They talk about it a bit in kindness, but if you haven't guessed yet, it's the virtue of generosity. Uh, I want you to do this just to keep this in mind through the day. For a moment, just make a fist with both your hands if you're a place where you can do that. Hold them tight, squeeze them, and feel what it's like to try to grab and clutch and hold on how much energy that takes, how much life it sucks out of you, and then just let go with a deep breath, let go, open those hands wide up. And that's a posture. We, we were with very good friends last night and uh, talking about what advice do we need to pay attention to, to be living well in this season of life. And Betsy, the uh, woman that was at the table said, just live with loose hands, open hands, loose fingers, let go. Because then we're trusting. Then we're actually investing in spiritual reality. The greatest expert on money of all time remains Jesus of Nazareth. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to start with a story from a book called The Psychology of Money. Uh, quite remarkable. It's a man named Ronald Reed. He was born into uh, uh, an impoverished family, tiny little home in Vermont, I think. Um, had to hitchhike or walk um, four miles to go to school. Uh, he was the first person in his family to graduate from high school. And then he went into the military. And then when he got out, he worked as a service station attendant for 25 years and then as a janitor at JCPenney for a few decades after that. He married a little bit later in life, never had children of his own, had a few stepchildren, bought a tiny little house for $12,000. He used to go get a cup of coffee sometimes at a hospital in that area. And after a while, one of the guys at the hospital told him about a library that he could go to and get books because he liked to read. He died not too long ago when he was 92 years old. And in his will, he took good care of his stepchildren. And then he left to that hospital where he used to get a cup of coffee, $4.8 million. And he left to that little library where he used to go and uh, get books. He left to that library $1.2 million. library only had a budget of 600000 How did he do it? Well, one of the people who wrote about him said he understood the value of our finite and brief time on earth. And so he saved and um, he invested quite wisely. And then he became a philanthropist. It's one of the most remarkable stories of somebody who himself lived an unbelievably Spartan lifestyle, not because he had to, not because anybody forced him to or told him to. He wanted to be able to give. He wanted to be able to live like this. And in that book, Psychology of Money, they contrast him with another life that I won't mention by name, but a man who had every kind of privilege, went through Harvard, uh, had a great job, amassed a fortune, and ended up losing the whole thing and dying isolated and uh, with a life that was quite deeply meaningless. 
So now this brings us to the world's greatest expert on money, which is Jesus. He's the greatest expert on any everything. And I wanted to tell you a little bit from a book, remarkable book by a man named Thomas Sedlicek. It's called The Economics of Good and Evil. He is a Czech economist. He um, wrote a book that is so remarkable, it actually was turned into a play in Czechoslovakia and sold out the house for an extended period of time at the Czech National Theater. One entire chapter is about Judaism and the role of good and evil in economics, and another entire chapter is about Christianity, and it here's part of what he writes. Again, we're just learning this. To live with a generous spirit. Today, what would it look like for you to be generous today? He says, the Bible and economics are much more closely tied than one would think. Of Jesus' 30 parables in the New Testament, 19, 19 of 30 are set in an economic or social context. Parable of the lost coin, of talents, of the unjust steward, of workers in the vineyard, of the two debtors, of the rich fool, and so on. Some authors have counted that thousands of verses can be found on economic or social issues, justice, wealth, money, that the second most frequent topic of both the New and Old Testament are socioeconomic after idolatry. And Paul in Colossians actually says that greed is idolatry. So those are very connected with each other. In the New Testament, economic inquiries are discussed on an average of every 16th verse. In the Gospel of Luke, it's as often as every seventh. Generosity means learning to trust in the reality of the kingdom, that just like money is real, the kingdom is real. And when we give, we are trusting God and we are stepping into a deeper reality. So the check goes on. We evidently have a feeling that the most valuable things should be given for free, uh, that they should not be available for purchase. It is precisely the most valuable things in life that must not be sold or monetized. You ever notice if you go to a really, really expensive restaurant, they don't even put prices next to the food? The notion comes from somewhere within us that precise reciprocity is undesirable for important things or for people close to us. You may have noticed that nothing is bought or sold in the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. No, I had not noticed. The fellowship gets everything it needs on its journey through gifts. Of course, Tolkien was a follower of Jesus. And you might remember when Jesus sent his little fellowship out on their mission. He said, don't take anything with you. The extremely careful J.R.R. Tolkien, who loved to immerse himself in details, never mentions currency anywhere in The Lord of the Rings. In this, it is similar to most older tales, fairy tales, myths, and stories. Not even in the Epic of Gilgamesh do we find out anything about money. Important things are simply given, found, or stolen. The Ring of Power in The Lord of the Rings, for example, uses all these methods of changing older owners, but it's never sold even if it is somewhat disputable whether the person owns the ring or vice versa. Take Gollum, Sedjusek writes. Did he once own the ring or did he find it and was subsequently owned and controlled by it? Galadriel and even Gandalf worry similarly that they will not control the ring, but the ring will control them and reshape them in its image. With this, I want to say that it is an extreme image of two-way ownership. Not only do we own things, 
but things own us. So you might pause for a moment and say, is there anything that owns me right now? My fear, my financial sense of insecurity, uh, my desperate uh, obsession with, I've got to own this, I've got to possess this, I've got to experience this. Open hands, loose fingers. Most interesting, Sethachek says this, and this is where we get deeply into generosity for this day, that in Christianity, um, all of our debts, he talks quite a lot about how that the image of debts forgive us our debts. That's all financial currency, redemption. These are all financial terms. All of our debts are placed on the shoulders of the Messiah who is sacrificed for all the evil in the world. In these complicated systems, guilt is found only with difficulty, and precisely for this reason, God is in this sense unfair because he forgives. He takes our debt on himself. He is, so to say, positively unfair, just as is the landowner who pays unfairly high wages to his laborers even though he does not have to. So the check notes, I had never known this before, that the New Testament term for gospel, euangelion, was used by the ancient Greeks for the giving of a tip to somebody who comes and gives you good news. And of course, we talk about a tip as a gratuity, that is, as an example of grace. So when we are generous in our spirit, with our time, and what we do for other people, and particularly with finances, It's not a zero-sum game. In some way, we are trusting in a much deeper reality. I didn't give myself my body. I didn't give myself my life. I have been given everything as a gift. God so loved the world he gave. God is unfair. Thank God God is unfair. God so loved that he gave. That's the game we're playing. It's the game of love. And the basic rule is to give. Uh, to be wise and to save and to enjoy and all of those sorts of things, but to live pursuing the virtue of generosity. So today, how can you live with a generous spirit? Right now, just open up those hands. And you can do this in your spirit. You can say, God, help me to want to give today. Help me to look for somebody I might be able to give to. Somebody that I might be able to get a gift. Or I might be able to make a gift to an organization that's doing good. Maybe there's a problem, a need in the world. I see what's happening. Maybe in Lahaina in Hawaii right now, or in the Ukraine, or Sudan, or some other place. And I am motivated to give to that. Or there's somebody on the side of the road. And I understand it's not always the best, wisest way to give. It's not the most systematic way. But just to help me cultivate a spirit of generosity. I think of friends of mine who have kind of a radar where they're just looking. Here's somebody who would delight with this gift or here's somebody who has this need in their life and they figure out a way to do it. Change is coming today. Don't store up treasure down here. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. I wanted to let you know if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.